0: And by Schuurt and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style.
2: Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Over the last couple of years, we've talked a lot about diversification in the Acadiana economy. We've talked about how our local economy has to change to withstand global oil and gas markets and how we can retrain people who've been hurt by the downturn in the oil field. What has been lost to some extent in these conversations about the new economy is how these changes have affected the companies and the people in them who can't diversify. Oil companies who manufacture and sell products specifically designed for extracting oils from wells. How are companies like this making out? m M&M and International is a family-owned and operated company that stretches back over four generations. They make high-pressure valves used in the exploration and production of oil and natural gas. From their factory and compound in Broussard, m and valves find their way onto rigs and platforms from the Gulf of Mexico to Saudi Arabia. Quay McKnight is the chairman and president of M&M International. Quay. Welcome to Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
2: As we're going to hear from Quay, it's not all doom and gloom in the oil field. There is still work and there's a need for skilled workers. That said, there's also a need to train workers for all kinds of other jobs and careers. In Acadiana, we're very familiar with UL. But if you're looking for a career in a field that doesn't require a four-year degree in arts, business or sciences, there is a powerhouse organization that gets less attention than UL, but which is turning out an impressive list of graduates. That is South Louisiana Community College. South Louisiana Community College has nine individual campuses around Acadiana. It serves over 60,000 students in fields as diverse as aviation, cosmetology and welding. The Chancellor of South Louisiana Community College is Dr. Natalie Harder. Natalie, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Gray. It looks as though the worst of the depressed oil economy is behind us. One of the problems about going through bad times is that when the good times roll around again, the economic landscape has changed. Companies have gone out of business, skilled workers have moved away, and in some cases, younger, leaner companies have adapted better and are better prepared to take a share of that rebounding market than the older, bigger companies. Where does m M&M and International fit into that new landscape? Are you ready for the rebound?
1: I would like to say that we are ready for the rebound, but I don't think you're ever truly ready for the reasons that you just laid out. 2014 was the, the busiest, it was our best year, uh, highest revenues, we got up to our highest amount of employment at our company, and then the bottom fell out, and we had to let go of some of our employees. And so now that things are coming back, and we're very, very excited that they're coming back. Um, We've lost some of those for for the reasons that you just laid out. We have been able to add some back, but for the most part, we're having to search and bring in new um, individuals for these positions. And we've also created positions that did not exist before the downturn. So we've added actually... 13 people in the last two months.
2: Wow. Do you think the oil and gas will always be that unpredictable ride? Or each time it kind of bounces back, do you strive to make it more consistent?
1: I don't think it's ever going to be completely predictable. I think it's going to be predictably unpredictable, but all you can do is prepare. Um, my father and his brother, who founded Eminem uh, International, they as soon as they could, got themselves out of debt a long time ago, and they, they've operated with a no debt philosophy, and my brother and I, and, the, and those that work at m M&M and International and in management and leadership, we follow that tradition, and when we have downturns like we just had, they're rough, very terrible thing to go through, but you're more prepared than you would be if you were over leveraged and the bottom fell out unpredictably.
2: Natalie let's start with an easy question I'm wondering if you can give me a basic lesson in tertiary education funding I know that your budget from the state keeps getting cut and that somehow you're meant to deliver the same results with less money every year. But I'm wondering, realistically, where does the money come from? You have nine separate campuses, that's nine heating and electricity bills, nine faculty and support staff, and everything else that goes into a brick and mortar school. You also have online courses and you're open nights and weekends so that you can accommodate working students. And it only costs $5,000 a year to attend South Louisiana Community College. To go to It's estimated to cost around $25,000 a year. LSU is estimated to cost a little under $30,000 a year. How do the finances work at SLCC? How are you keeping the lights on? Uh, It's a great question, and I sometimes joke that we used to be a
3: a state uh, institution for higher ed. Then we were state-assisted, and now we're essentially state-located because we're about to go through our 18th budget cut in 10 years. So that's more than one a year? Oh, yes, because we we often experience uh, mid-year budget cuts when the legislature maybe puts together a budget and and some of the revenue um, isn't 100%
2: expected to come in. So you plan for a year and then they take half the money away?
3: Yes, and and unfortunately, Aileen, as you indicated, and we can see it in the current legislative session, I can't plan my my fiscal year starts July 1st. I'm not sure what my budget is going to be. So the so planning really for us financially effective 5 years ago is is what we hope uh not and we know that that it won't be reality. Where we are fortunate is that in the last 6 years uh you'll find a very streamlined and and thin administration at SLCC. We do have um nine campuses, but we actually have more facilities than that. For example, we have an extension campus at Lafayette Airport. Our helicopter um, operation is in a separate facility, but we do not have levels. So we
2: can come to SLCC and learn how to fly a helicopter? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. For $5,000 a year? It's That program is a little <laughs> more expensive. Uh. I thought I'd found a way in then. <laughs> yeah,
3: but... Um, but so you'll find that that we have a full cadre of programs from Ville Platte to Houma but we do not have administration, um, full cadres of administration at every every location. It's just it's just not necessary in two thousand and eighteen uh, for that. We we do a lot through video conference and virtual meetings and things like that, just the way the rest of the world works or or, or business is working. But I do think the the most unfortunate aspect of, of the funding process for all of higher ed is that you can't meet Quay's demands for new people meet his demands as technology train as technology changes, and you need folks with different skills. When you continue to disinvest in higher ed in a state that has such a huge number of individuals without any college experience, um, finds itself at the bottom in terms of what skills students are coming out with in the K through 12 system. Uh, it's just not sustainable when you're looking to raise revenue, and, the, and a lot of that comes from the wages of people that are employed in businesses like Quay. So we have to decide what we want to be as a state when we grow up, and those states that have invested in higher ed and see it as an investment, not an expense, um, they see their de- declines in entitlement costs and social services all decline as their population increases educational attainment. We, we just have not
2: woken up to that yet. So, at one point in a business show, it wouldn't—we've never have brought someone, who, you know, from a college to together with a business because the two didn't really speak; they were separate things. Now, you actively look at businesses, and businesses actively talk to colleges about what the training needs to be. Is that? something you guys deliberately have set out to do absolutely every one of our programs has an advisory
3: committee primarily made up of business so that we change our curriculum as business needs change there's we you know our intention is that that particularly in our technical programs you come out with the ability to move into high wage high demand job it, it Otherwise, I don't know what the value is of spending your $5,000 a year or your time. And to do that, you need people like Quay to tell you what they need for, in the yeah, training for those you'll people. You'll find our advisory committees, again, from Ville Platte to Homa, are, are ent- almost entirely made up of, of businesses. So they can say, hey, you're not doing enough of, of this in, in your software program. Or, hey, you need to change your oil and gas program to include this component and take out some uh, technology we don't use anymore so it's it's integral we can't we can't do right by our students and our community if business isn't telling us what they need
2: Quite where did all the well-trained people go when they left and how do you get them back or do you want the same people back
1: i understand a lot of them went to to houston a lot of them went to lake charles so there's a lot of construction jobs there um I know several jobs that people who did not lose their jobs, but they were going to lose them if they did not want to move to Houston because there was consolidation going on, uh, still is, and which from what I understand, in the 80s was the, the same thing. It, uh, the downturn hit back then, and that people started consolidating. The oil centers started consolidating. They started moving people to Houston, and it looks like it's, it's just a similar trend this time but a Lake Charles and Houston I hear the most probably.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Quay McKnight from M&M International and Natalie Harder from South Louisiana Community College. We'll be back after this very brief break You're listening to Out to Lunch I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Quay McKnight from M&M International and Natalie Harder from South Louisiana Community College. Natalie Let's talk geography as a, an area, Acadiana tends to kind of, it's part of Louisiana, but we tend to think of it as different. Does SLCC think of itself as Acadiana or Louisiana, and how are they different to you? I would say that we definitely believe we are
3: Acadiana. Our, when I talk about the business relationships that we have, they're all Acadiana-based businesses, or they're an, an Acadiana affiliate or 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 sub of a of a larger organization but they all have significant needs in Acadiana. I do think um, you can pay attention to Acadiana though and see what is happening around the state. We as a community have been the bellwether for the rest of the state to say look at when we come out of a out of a valley in, in some sort of industry how is it then that we are able to to use technology to, to fill the gaps that were left and to stay competitive. I'm not sure. When I, I travel a lot and, and around the state, the mantra is, for example, with oil and gas is, well, just wait, oil and gas is coming back, oil and gas is coming back. Well, that's great, but the, but as Quay just said, they created jobs they never had before. So you've got to be nimble like that, and I just think that our companies really do that better than any other location in the state. I think that we are we are um, catching up in terms of the rest of the state in terms of working together from an economic development point of view. But but I would I would put our educational prowess and our and our entrepreneurial prowess up against anybody in the
2: state. And you yourself are a bit of a rock star in the community college world. Is that? Yeah, I know you're going to deny it, but you're very forward thinking and.
3: I I have a non-traditional background for a college leader, and so maybe things that are sacred to higher education I never understood or or incorporated into my psyche. And having come from the private sector, I I think that's why higher education is here, to make sure that people can go into well-paying jobs that are in high
2: demand to meet the, the needs of business and industry. Natalie and Quay, this is the part of the show that we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity that you should jump on. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great. Or you can take that friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who's had that great idea for you? Did you take their advice? How did it go?
1: I can think of a few, um, but the one I think that may hit closest to home, would, if I were going to give this advice that I was given, would be to participate, especially if you're in business, but even if you're not, uh, through Leadership Institute of Acadiana to participate in leadership Lafayette. You, you meet people in town and other business people that you, you wouldn't have met otherwise, and so it, I was encouraged to get involved in that program. And then once I was done with that, uh, someone recommended, advised that I try to get into Leadership Louisiana, which is a state-wide leadership program. And again, you, just, you meet people that you never so would have met before. So you're still learning
2: new stuff. You're not just talking about training your staff. You're still out there and actively oh, learning I'm, and meeting people. One of
1: one of my, you know, the stress Finder books, one of my five strengths is, is a learner. So I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to stop wanting to learn. I'm the type of person that never feels like they're where they need to be. This
2: may be why your company has lasted for generations. Well,
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I didn't start it, but... I I think you can always be better. Uh, you're never going to be your, you know as you're never going to be perfect, and I have to try to remember that. But um, you know, you just keep trying to get better every day. Just do the best you can and have some fun while you're at it.
2: Natalie, mm-hmm. advice you've taken, ignored, regretted. Uh,
3: something that has stuck with me for many years. When I um, moved into my first leadership position, I was uh, burning myself out. Just uh, not just with the actual work, but the idea of I had to be seen working all the time. Because I felt if people didn't see me, then they would think I wasn't working, and and I really uh, thank my husband, Sian, for saying to me, you have to stop, or you're gonna, you know, run out of gas. You have to remember quality over quantity in the terms of the work that you do. So you so just because you're seeing doesn't mean necessarily internally you feel that like you just provided quality return for the investment of the organization. The interesting thing for me now though is with. Technology, people should be able to telecommute. I'm all good. You know, I get the point now that we're grown-ups, and I can trust you. If you're not doing your job, I'll know. Yes. And if you're not going to do your job at home, you're not doing it in the office either, right? I really don't care as long as you get your job done. And so I think the, I think some of that stigma, at least in my mind, is gone. But but I do think there's still an overall perception that if I can't see you you must not be doing something I, I am so over that uh, and so I, and I think I think you've got to respect that sort of that's a little bit of the expectation of the generation that's coming up now they're kind of never off which is its own issue but they can be productive anywhere and I think I think any
2: good employee can do that so let's talk about the future yeah. um, Different surveys say that at least 75% of the careers that will appear in the next 10 years haven't even been created yet. How do you as a college plan for that? How do you as, as a, an employer, plan for this, this continual change that we're living through?
1: All you can do, A, is train your people, and I'm, I'm one who believes from birth up through wherever they stop, school. Um, need to have the best education that they can possibly get put them on the best road that they can possibly get on provide them with the best role models the best uh, interaction with leaders and professionals that you can and just prepare them prepare them for life prepare them for work if they if you teach them to work hard and you give them a good education they're going to be able to do anything I always say that and I sound like a broken record sometimes, I know, but an exceptional person in the right position can compensate for poor process any day of the week. It will compensate for it while you develop your process. So just, just get the best people, get them where they can succeed. And that's the way I look at it. I mean, it won't won't matter what happens.
3: I agree with you 100%. You can teach the technical stuff, right? And businesses like, like Quays tell me what to teach from a technical perspective. But you've got to be curious. You've got to have passion. You've got to have a work ethic. And then you can learn all the other stuff. The other thing I think is key is we try to teach our students as as quay indicated about himself you've got to learn lifelong what what you're going to learn in our classroom in our, and our in our lab or on our barge if you're in a maritime program you've got to get out beyond that and and keep learning right because things change but you you've got to be willing to because the only way you're going to be a good employee for somebody like quay or any other business is to, is to be able to think from different perspectives we, we teach you as many perspectives as we can, but we'll never cover them all. I mean, even at the college, I, I tell my folks, um, and, and, I mean, I say this all the time when I give leadership talks. I, I have time in my calendar every week to read. And do I read high-red stuff? Sure, I do. But I read Fortune. I read Forbes. I read Inc. I read Entrepreneur. Because I need to think about, well, what is happening from a leadership perspective? What what trends are going on that I'm not aware of that, that I might need to bring back to the institution? That lifelong learning that Quay mentioned before, um, that is how how students pivot, adapt, or even we all do, to whatever the job of the future is. So it's is. easy
2: to look at the digital future and say, right, we need, we're going to need to you know, teach technology and we're going to need to lead skills. but what about those strange occupations to us that are occurring now, like influencer? Are we going to see college courses in how to be an influencer and make a living on Instagram? Is that something that's in the future? So we certainly
3: have aspects of, of capturing what is trending like social media to our students. We we do it, I would say, we really, though, Aileen, look at high-wage, high-demand jobs in Louisiana and in Acadiana. And if influencer comes to the top of that list, that is great. There's a lot of excitement around the, quote-unquote, gig economy. I do Uber, I do this on the side. But at this point, it's hard to demonstrate that those are family-sustaining benefit-providing jobs that that will also provide you with the ability to retire uh, and not be a burden to society. So we're very cognizant. We look at at the job needs all the time, and and my guess is probably in the next five to ten years, some of those more social media-based uh, uh, I guess you could call them jobs will rise to the future, but until you know Eminem comes to me and says, "Look, it, I need five influencers, and this is what I need their skills to be," it's not going to rise to the top for us, particularly on the on the on the credit size. Non-credit, if if individuals come to us and say, "I'm interested in that," then great, we can put something together. But it's at this point, it's not what's driving this economy.
2: Although I guess you don't use traditional marketing because what you do is so specialized, you don't need to make Facebook ads and Instagram ads, do you worry about your internal branding? Is, is it? Do you know what your company stands for and your values so that that makes people stay longer and attracts the best new people?
1: Absolutely. Uh, we know what our values are. Uh, we, we have a very, very strong culture we have a very low turnover rate. Um, a you know, very supportive culture. Um, we're committed to quality. Uh, we like to consider ourselves a family. Uh, we offer some very good benefits to our employees. We want our employees to succeed. I've, I've always told people when I hired them, when I used to do the, a lot of the hiring, I would just say, you know, you're going to go as far here as your work ethic and your ability and the opportunities that the company has will take you.
2: Natalie, how hard is it with the college to keep that branding consistent when your students change every couple of years? I know that your staff are consistent, but how hard is it to still have the same brand and values and carry that over when new students arrive? Um, I think once you instill what
3: your values are
2: um, in your
3: employees, or, or you help them manifest that. You know, I sort of in my head always say excellence and integrity because it encompasses everything, whether you're honest, whether you're respectful, whether you're accountable. All of that is excellence and integrity. So we've built out um, standards of practice uh, throughout our, our college to help people really define what that means, for example, down to the, you know, you don't let more than 24 hours go by before you respond to, to somebody the, so I don't know that that's, that's the hard part for us. I, I think that the challenge for us the, in higher education goes back to your initial question about funding, particularly when we're trying to recruit nationally for a high-level individual. When that person reads the headlines in terms of our state's disinvestment in higher ed, what? why would they want to come here? So what I worry about, probably less than... You know, I, I know what my institution stands for, and, and I have, my people are just exceptional. But it's the how do I maintain that motivation and momentum, given the headlines they read, and then bring people in who have that same desire to serve students in business and industry, when,
2: when it looks like we can't keep our house in order. We can make our best guesses about what the Acadiana economy is going to do over the next few years. Nobody can be 100% sure, but we can be pretty confident that we're going to be firmly dependent on oil and gas for the foreseeable future. Along with oil exploration companies, legacy manufacturers and veteran oil field services companies like m M&M and International, they will continue to be the foundation of our economy. For both the skilled workers in these companies and for the skills required to diversify outside of oil and gas, South Louisiana Community College is an invaluable resource. Natalie and Quay. It's been a great to get a candid and honest understanding of what things look like from the inside of the oil field and the education system. Thank you both so much for jo- taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having us.
2: My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Natalie Harder, Chancellor of South Louisiana Community College and Quay McKnight, Chairman and President of m M&M and International. You can find out more about m M&M and International and South Louisiana Community College by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com The producer of our show is Grant Morris Our technical producer is Eric Morrell Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates If you want to know what we all look like you can find photos from this show on our website itsacadiana.com and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Maylin Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, Acadiana style, on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner, with a courtyard that sets the scene for fun Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michel. Out to Lunch Acadiana Business Consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, the Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escuday. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Schuer & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.